teaching to me. It's been, it's been long. It's been a lot, and, and most books aren't this big. Most books don't have uh, one or two verses that you could spend two weeks on. I guess there's all, there are others that do, obviously. But it, it's pretty amazing when you, when you look at the, the culmination of the whole thing, how, how the progression and the importance of understanding this book is. It also is pretty neat how uh, every sermon or each time that we were in was still had its own subtitle. It, it could be uh, something uh, specific to an area of our life. Even though we were going kind of verse by verse and, and chapter by chapter, you could still see the things stand out that were just incredible and how timely they were for, for our lives. You know, the thing that I know is I, I want to I follow God, and that's my purpose. That's my desire. I want to follow God. And that's really what Romans is about. The book is teaching these Christians who are, are in Rome how to live under a Roman government, how to live under uh, a world system, and yet hold fast to what they know is true and right. And, and I tell you what, it, it's, uh, it, this, these chapters are no different. Verse four, uh, chapter 15, verse 14 says, that I'm fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. So he comes in with an encouraging word. He's, he's said a lot of hard things. He's challenged them in a lot of ways. But he comes down here at the end and towards the end, and, and uh, he, he just says, listen, I know that you're full of goodness. I think in, in part he might have been saying, even though once in a while we see your not-so-goodness, <laughs> and we all got a little of that. We got some not-so-goodness in us, but we want the goodness to, to rise up. He says... You know these things so well that you can teach each other about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points knowing that all you need is this reminder. You know, this is the reason that, that I continue to teach many of the things that, and principles that I teach over and over and over again because they are critical to our living a successful Christian life. If you want to do things long term, and you want to be able to weather the, the seasons of life, the challenges of life. You know, many of you are experiencing things at, at a season of challenge. Some of you face things or you've come through things in the past. All these things, but it, it, regardless of what we face, when we have the principles of walking with God in place and we keep the main things the main things, then, then we'll, we'll have what we need to, to, to overcome. Because, uh, you know, what, what's, the, what's the saying, uh, this is just a hill for a stepper? You know, just this, this challenge in life is nothing big for somebody who has the ability to, uh, to follow God. And when we add, that, that's not a biblical statement, the, the one I've just used. But if you, if you uh, attain to follow God and apply the Word of God, He gives us the, the, the things that we have need of. So there's a wealth of instruction to live a life of victory. No, uh, no rules or do's and don'ts, not just do's and don'ts. Just good practices for daily living. Ways to rise above the cares of this world. So let's back up into verse chapter 13. And I wanna, I'm, I'm going to skip around through, and I'm going to skip some things that probably need to be read, but, but uh, I'm not going to take the time to go verse by verse because I really am ready to wrap up this, this, uh, this book. And I believe we'll hit the highlights and, and get, get the bulk of what we need. So verse 1, he says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in, in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Now, 
the, I was reading some commentary and kind of looking at that, that thought of that, that they will be punished. And, you know, they're going to be, we are going to be punished not, because, not necessarily by God himself, but by the laws that were put in place because he, he ordered or put, brought order or instituted laws uh, as far as government. We have certain things that you're supposed to do and not do. And when you, when you don't do them, you pay the price, right? And, and so that's, I believe, the, the bulk of that punishment comes from, and that's what God establishes it for, is to, to give guidelines and control over the, over the whole earth. You think about it, different governments in different countries, different ways of, of operating, there's laws that keep us in place. We can't have a complete lawlessness. If you look at complete lawlessness, look at what happened in Portland back during 2020. They completely consumed and took over a whole uh, section of the city, and just because there was no laws, they couldn't even handle themselves, and they basically burned and destroyed uh, an entire section of the of, of that city, and that happened in multiple places. That was lawlessness. That was that was that was no rule. And they say, "Well, we're free." Yeah. Well, total freedom gives has has no no structure to keep us within uh, bounds. And that's why God establishes authority, and that's why God brings things in, into a place. You know, there's all kinds of freedoms that we think we need, and, and we should have freedoms to a degree. But we all ha also have checks and balances. And, and so he says, submitting to, first of all, government authorities, and then all authority, authority that God sets in a place uh, and, and, uh, and, and sets those boundaries and, the, and really the function of everything together. You know, he, he tells us there to, to, uh, to honor government, and even though there's times when we don't agree with it. Now, one thing that I, I think it, it also says that God puts people in authority. He sets up these governments, these things. Now, I, I've heard Christians, and I, and I want to caution Christians right here, to not take this that God's going to always place people in without our involvement. Now, he can and he will at times. I mean, he, he has the power to put, to put in and remove. I'm not taking that out of God's hands. But I want us to remember the kind of government that he established right here. It's a democracy. What does a democracy do? It, it allows the people to vote and to have a say and to have a part. So I believe with all my heart that while God is establishing and putting presidents and people in places of authority, he's also listening to the heart of those in the democratic system because that's what he designed and he placed here. So I don't think Christians can sit back and go, oh, well, it doesn't do any good. God's going to put the man or put the person in. He's listening to our heart. And as a nation, when we vote against or vote for people who, or, or we don't vote for people who uphold those things, I believe that's coming back on us. And you see where people influenced who God put in. You can, you can look at Saul. They cried out. God, God wanted to rule them by prophets. By, by leaders that God established. But what did they cry out for when King Saul, not, not Saul of Tarsus, but way back in the Old Testament, right before David, he, they, they chose, they said, we want a king like everybody else. And they got a king like everybody else. And that king led them in and brought them into places and doing things that, that they would not have had to have dealt with had they just followed God. They wanted to follow a man. And so uh, I, I believe that... Um, I'm not going not gonna to argue about it. The Bible it, it talks about this, uh, not arguing about things like this. But I can also tell you that, that our responsibility where the democratic process in this nation is, is to be aware of who to vote for and to vote. 
You say, I don't know. You know, I heard one person say, you know, Oklahoma's so red, they always vote Republican, so it doesn't matter. Uh, they'll get it done without me. We need, to, we need to be active. And we've seen some examples where it hadn't always gone the way it probably should have. And so we need to be active. But because for, for, if nothing else, it, it challenges us or it gives God our, it lets God see our heart and say, as far as me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to follow God. We're going to be active. We're going to do our part. And so uh, that, that's very important. Okay, so enough of that. But I believe on a patriotic day, it's a good opportunity to talk about getting involved. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean you get on, you know, Facebook and social media and, and you know, and go to bat, bashing things and all that. I, I uh, temper all that. But stand for what's right. Stand for what's just. just. Verse 2 says, so, so anyone who rebels against authority and rebels against what is rebelling against what God has instituted. So does that mean, preacher, that you can't ever uh, stand up against the government whenever they're trying to, to go, if they're trying to go or take us against what is godly, that's where you draw the line. Because it says down here in another place that the one we serve is God. That's the thing that we have to get settled is we serve God first. We honor God with our life, God with all that we do. So when the, the, if you, it talks about us honoring the person, our employer, we honor our employer until our employer goes away from God. If they're asking you to do things that are not, that, that don't line up with the word of God, then that's where there has to be a separation. And same way with our government. Okay, so uh, let's, uh, let's go on down to verse 6. I'm, I'm jumping so we can keep flowing here, keep going here. He says, verse 6, he says, but pay your taxes too. For these, for, these same, for these same reasons, for your government workers need to be paid. They're serving God in what they do. Now, these, again, we're talking about principles for godly life and godly living. Now, I have a, an accountant that takes care of my taxes so that I don't pay more than I should. In other words, we take advantage of every write-off, everything that, that can be done within the law. But we honor God and we pay those taxes. And you know, you know, sometimes it's all right when you're paying taxes. You know, when you're in business for yourself, when you're paying taxes, that means you're making money. That's a good thing. I, I didn't even get a laugh, didn't even get a chuckle, didn't get a smile. Come on. I mean, I have a lot of years, I have a lot of years where the farm, it was like, it was all write-offs. It was all, it was all, well, we didn't have to pay, you know, we didn't have to pay as much. You know, it helped us out. But it sure is nice whenever you get to a point where you're having to pay tax because that means you're making, okay, all right, so have a little fun. Have a little fun with that. But here's the thing he says, pay them. Render unto Caesar with that which is Caesar. Jesus even said that. So we honor them by doing that. You say, well, I don't like this government. I don't like what they're doing with it. I don't like where it's going. But God says, here's the thing. Again, we, who, do we, who do we truly serve? We serve God. So I'm going to do things that are godly and build my life around that. I had a man one time, he was, he was doing everything he could to get out of taxes. And, and I, he, he was telling me about some of his, he was, he was doing some things that were, that were really shady. And I just find, or, or they were really borderline. You know, they were, I mean, well, to me, they were shady. But I just finally just told him, I said, look, do you trust God or not? Just pay it and trust. God. What, I need that money? No, you need, you need to honor God more than anything else, right? So we honor God in all that we do. He says, pay taxes. So verse 7, going on, he says, whew, man, glad we're moving on, right? 
Verse 7 says, Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Man, he just hammers it all right there in that verse 7. Give to everyone what you owe them. So if you owe somebody, give, give, pay them what you, what you owe them. You know, uh, I worked for a guy one time and, and, uh, when I was just out, just out of, or just, I guess I was in, in high school and, and for, worked for a man one summer and he kept telling me he was going to pay me. And I trusted him. I was really naive, and I just, I just assumed that everybody said they were going to do something. They were going to do what they said, because that's, I mean, that's the way I was raised. That's the way everybody I'd ever worked for, been around, did. I mean, if we said we owed you or going to pay you, it was good as gold. We're going to do it. And this guy just kept telling me he's going to pay me, kept telling me he's going to pay me. I'm going to sell some calves this week. I'm going to, I got some weed I need to sell. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Kept telling me, and I kept, I was dumb enough to keep working for him. I worked for him for about two and a half to three months. He wouldn't pay me, wouldn't pay me, wouldn't pay me, and I and I had I had bills. I mean, I had stuff to, to, to pay off, and and I had to go get a loan, literally, to pay my note bills because I said I'd pay them, and so I had to go borrow money to pay my bills, which I know is not the best thing to do, but I wasn't going to leave my bills unpaid, and so I finally just had to just really get, <clears throat> excuse me, get ugly with this guy, and say, look, I got to have my money. Well, anyway. I try to never do that, and uh, huh? I eventually got most of that money, yes. Verse 8, I owe, I owe nothing to no one again except your, uh, for your obligation to love them. Listen, the one thing that we want to continually keep in, in uh, what I kind of see that is, he says, don't owe anybody anything except this one thing. Always stay indebted to others for love. Always be owing them love. Always be, uh, that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it. That's the way that hit me today. It, it's like, have that as your one debt. I love you, and I need to show it. I, I love you, and I need to care for you. I, in other words, I, I'm, I'm going to stay in that type of owe. You know, I guess that's a, that's a neat way of looking at that, that I, I owe them that. You say, I don't owe you anything. But God in me, God has commanded me to give love, to give forgiveness to give grace just like he gave it to me. And boy, I don't know about you, but it's an amazing grace. It's an abundant grace that he gives us. Amen? Verse 9, er, it goes on, uh, verse 9. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These, these, and, these and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not wrong, does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. It's what Jason was saying. He didn't even know what I was preaching today, but that's that's what that, that's what part of what he was saying. He he said it a little stronger, and let me clarify, he said that the Ten Commandments don't matter. Okay. What he was what what the way I say it is this way, J Jason, is that, that the Ten Commandments we don't have to try to live by them because if we just walk in this one, it covers the rest of them. You know, it says don't covet your, your neighbor's uh, wife or your neighbor's stuff or your neighbor, you know, if you love them, you're not doing that stuff, right? You're not going to steal. You're not going to kill. You're not going to do those other things and because of the love of God in us. But he says, he says, don't worry about all these other things that you're trying not to do if you just follow that. Now, again, it's not the first time we've heard that, right? We hear that a lot. We know that a lot. 
But here's the thing that, here's the thing that, that uh, Paul said. He goes, even though you know it, even though you've heard it, even though you could teach it, let me remind you of it. Keep it ever uh, before you. Because here's what, here's what I see in these teachings, in this teaching, is he's telling us how to build our life. Here's what our life needs to be centered on. And if we walk in the fullness of this, we're free from all these other things. He says, uh, he says down in verse 11, he says, this is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer than, that, uh, than when you first believed. Well, he just, he just uh, uh, challenges him. He says, realize there's an urgency. Bring an urgency to, to the forefront to understand that, that the time is close. He said the time is close then, and that was 2,000 years ago, or so, uh, roughly almost 2,000 years ago. And yet we're, we're looking at, at our life and where we're at, and we know we're that much closer. But here's one thing that you can always know is you never know if you've got 30, 30 more years. Well, some of you that are already 80-something, you probably know you don't have 30 more years. But you don't know if you have 30 more days, 30 more. That was, that was good. I'm glad you laughed about that. That was kind of a joke. Oh, okay. It was, I mean, or a chuckle. It just struck me after I said that. Some of you may not have 30 more years because, you know, you, that, that'd, be, that'd be old. You'd be rec in the record books. We don't know how long we've got. We don't know how long we've got, but here's, here's what we do know. Those around us need to hear the gospel. There needs to be an urgency with us. And so we don't need to be, we don't need to be focused on things that are unimportant. Just serve God, walk in love towards, towards others, and, and, and realize that salvation is nearer than, we, than when, we, when we first began. He goes on, on down, uh, verse 13, Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. He's talking about our daily life. Don't participate in the darkness of uh, wild parties and drunkenness and in sexual promiscuity and immoral living. Or, now notice this, he says, or in quarreling and jealousy. Now wait a minute, God, you're, you're, you're lumping quarreling and jealousy in with all that other stuff? I had to circle quarreling and jealousy because I thought, wow, you know, we need to make sure that we, we keep this in focus. He, he just brought all those things together because what's he talking about? He's talking about the whole of our life. He could have gone, the list gone a lot further in, in beyond just, just jealousy, just quarreling. But here's the thing, going up back up to this commandment, if we walk in love, those things don't have a hold of us anymore. So we're talking about a way of living that says, you know what? I love you enough that I'm willing to give you room for being imperfect. That's a pretty good way of thinking about it. You know, I was thinking about this. The, the, the way we, the way we uh, look towards one another. We can spend a whole lot of time uh, picking on everybody else. You know, I, you, you, you ever do this driving? I'll, I'll be driving sometimes, and I'll think, man, what is this person doing? You know, I'm thinking, you're in my way, or you didn't use your blinker. You know, I, I, boy, that, you know, that's something. I, it was funny because I, I'm, I'm like, you know, if you'd have had your blinker on, dude, I could have already went. And then I get down a little ways, and I don't use my blinker. And I'm just like, hey. You know, you just wave. <laughs> 
See, see, we're, we're willing we're sometimes, and, and, and I know that's a funny little bit of story, but you know what? That can carry over, and that's what, a, that's what he's really hammering on them a little bit about, or a lot about, is that it carries over in every other area of our life. And if we let more and more of God affect more and more parts of our life, everything begins to be less tense, less upsetting, le- more... Uh, there, there's more ease in our relationships and every other part. It's amazing how these things just work. He said instead, verse 14, instead clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. You know, he, he began with talking about, in this chapter, he said, Honor the government or, or, or the government. Don't, don't worry about honor the authority. Do the things that are right. But he, and, and he says walk in love. But he gets down to the end and he says put on the presence. Instead, clothe yourself. So he said take off that other and put on. It's a whole different way of saying what he talks about in Ephesians and Colossians and these other books. Same author. But he says clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus. You need to ask yourself, I, I, I was... Um, did I offend you, Josh? Okay, all right. <laughs> I, just messing with you. I, I, I was in the uh, getting ready. Uh, we we're going through the house, and all the, everybody's gone, and and so I had to run to the house. I go in whatever room, whatever bathroom, whatever uh, room I wanted to be in, whenever I wanted to be in there, because by golly, I had to run to the house. Well, uh, one of K- Kenzie must have, <coughs> excuse me, lost a bracelet, and it was a WWJD bracelet. Everybody know what that is? I mean, what would Jesus do? bracelet. And, and I was thinking about this, you know, that was a big thing way back in the day, and and uh, everybody's wearing that, everybody's got t-shirts, and we're, we're asking ourselves, what would Jesus do? And that's really what he's saying right here, clothe yourself in the presence of Jesus so that people will recognize God in you. Now, you, unlike Je- Jesus, are not perfect. Jesus was perfect. We're not. But we want to endeavor to be, and we want to walk in that. But here's the thing that I begin to think about, even as I was driving up here today, is how do I, uh, what do we do sometimes to hinder the presence of Jesus being on us? He's in us always. But he's just painted a picture of us being clothed with. In other words, it's what people see it's what people feel. It's what comes out when under pressure. It's the thing. Are we like Jesus? What would Jesus do? How is that reflected? Is that seen? And you know what? I was thinking about one of the things that breaks my heart is that whenever I have an opportunity to pray for somebody, we don't get the results that we want. Now, what I mean by that, there's been many times God has used me to be one of the ones or maybe the one praying for a situation of all kinds of manner of things and, and get results. I love seeing it when God comes through for, for somebody's business that they're able to do or buy or expand or, or, or you know, I'm a part of encouraging and praying. But there's some who come and, and, and that doesn't happen. There's, you know, their, their crop fails or their, their deal doesn't work, whatever. There's times whenever we pray for sickness, and and God, I've seen God heal miracles. I've seen God do some amazing things, and I've also had people that I prayed for that that aren't anymore. There's times when when we don't see, and it breaks my heart that I don't have the presence of Jesus to the point that every 
One is healed. Everyone is delivered. Everything is fixed. Every word spoken comes to manifestation. But you know what? It's not always on me. I realize that. Sometimes it's the faith of the individual. Sometimes it's not the will of God. Sometimes we're praying and asking for something that is not God's will. We have to pray according to His will, and He hears us and gets the results. But there's sometimes it's just that I'm not ready. So I endeavor, the, the, the work of the ministry is to always be prepared because you never know. When, when things like Ken's funeral came up, everything else shut down. didn't matter what else I had going on in my life. Everything else shuts down. Now, that's my responsibility as a pastor, but we have to understand that, that everything becomes secondary. All that top of the list just shifted down. And, and those priorities, those things become, become number one. But the, pre, the most important thing was that the, 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 the church is well represented, the, the, but most, more importantly even than that, that God is well represented in those things that we do. So what do I have to do in order? What do I have to manage my life? What do we have to do? See, and this goes on in, into your life. Can we walk? The more we can walk in this godly life and this godly living, so that regardless of what's taking place, we can handle it. We can represent God well. So that the Lord, that, that we uh, clothe ourselves with the presence of, of, of Jesus Christ. And then it, then it says, and don't let yourself. Notice it says, who let yourself? You. Don't let yourself think about, all right, ways to indulge your evil desires. But I give them a piece of my mind. Thinking about it. Or, well, I could go on a lot. I wrote this down. Let the presence be present in everything you do and wherever you go. Man, what a what a what a great goal. And that's all God, that's all this 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 is this is an exciting necessarily uh, deep theological teaching. This isn't stuff that, you know, it's like, oh gosh, I've heard this before. Love, okay, i got to love my neighbor. Gotta, got to forgive. Got to do all this. We hear all this. But then we come down to something like this and we begin to think about, man, if I could have the presence of Jesus everywhere I go. We do, but if it's not just inside, but it's outside. In other words, people begin to recognize it. They may not even know what it is. What the cool thing is, is you interact with people all throughout your day. You teachers, you in business, you delivery, you, you fixing and repairing, whatever we do, we can have and, ex and expose people to the living God. Not by wearing a Christian t-shirt, not by necessarily preaching and speaking in King James or, or, or quoting Bible verses, but just by living and loving people, giving people grace. Not getting caught up in some of the conversations that uh, go out here to left field. Or right field, whichever one. <laughs> but we're going to make sure we keep those things balanced. Well, listen, I, I want us to go on into chapter 14. Chapter 14, uh, he says, verse, uh, verse 1, he says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about where, what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes that it's all right to eat anything, and another believes with, sensitive, with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods 
must not condemn those who, who do. You know, sometimes there's, there's a differences in, in where our, our confidence lies on some of these things, like some of those things like that. And, and he, was dealing with, he was dealing with those that were coming out of Jewish customs and not. He goes on down into verse 5 and he says, In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another, while others think that every day is alike. You should each be fully convi convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before they eat it. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks for it. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves if we live, it's honored to the Lord. And if we die, we honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord of both the living and the dead. So why condemn one another, uh, another believer? Why do we look down on them? In other words, I, I think a lot of what he's saying there is, is why do we worry about minor things and, and begin to fuss and argue over those things? I do think there's something interesting about the day, uh, the the day Sunday, or in in for some Saturday being being the Sabbath. Now, <clears throat> you know I, I've been condemned, or, or, or I've heard people that that said something bad about me because they saw me working after church, working as in like, but but I, I have come to the place that every day is a holy day. That's not an excuse so I can work on Sunday. But I don't get Sunday off, off, right? I mean, I start early. I mean, this, when, you, when you're doing what, I mean, we all are committed to work here, but, but if, you're, if you're a volunteer or whatever. But at the same time, work, I mean, if the hay needs to be bailed, you're probably going to be bailing hay on, on Sunday afternoon. Now, that being said, if there's any way around it, I do. Here's what I believe. Here's where, I, where my conviction is. Every day is holy, so I spend time every day with God. The thing that I guard is a day of rest, because that's what the Sabbath was originally provided for. Now, if you are always working and never giving God time in church, then I think it becomes a problem because it doesn't. It doesn't represent the same, right? So uh, obviously we're all going to miss church at times. But that's where it becomes the deal because I remember a time where I worked seven days a week. It didn't matter. Sunday was just another day. And that's the balance of that. But, but here's the, the thing I guard more than anything is I guard my day, a, a day or a time of rest because I know what I have to have to re be refueled and restored. And that's what God established the Sabbath for was for rest, correct? But it was also to worship God. So the most, the most important thing is that we give God that time in the day and, and honor Him. And I, I think there's a value. It's, 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 me. it's uh, detrimental to me to say, oh, well, Sunday morning doesn't matter. Church doesn't matter. Yeah, it matters. It matters a lot. Okay. But having an understanding of what the conviction that you have. Some, some, I know some people that they wouldn't cut wheat. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, they, they wouldn't plant wheat. They wouldn't do nothing on Sunday. Sunday they shut down. And you know what? Here's, here's what I absolutely know is if that's your conviction and that's the way you roll, God will absolutely honor you. And I've seen people that would shut everything down and they'd get more done on the six days. I think if you 
try to push it and work and work and work, then I think, I think obviously we're not honoring God in that rest. Now, I also know that for me, work is a lot of times a big uh, recovery for me from all the rest that I do. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a joy to me to go, you know, get, do, do, do some work. That's, that's rest after my nap. <clears throat> Sunday morning, Sunday, Sunday's always got to have, almost always got, uh, it's, it needs a nap. So I start early, and, and, and by the time I'm done, I mean, about, about 12.30, man, I, I mean, I need to be finding me in my lounge chair for a nap. Okay. Now, notice what he says here, and let's, let's jump ahead to uh, <clears throat> down here to uh, verse 13 of chapter 14. He says, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble. So where, where all these things are concerned, here's the one thing that trumps everything that, that we have to always consider is, am I affecting somebody else by what I do? You know, we can't just have the attitude, well, I don't give a rip what anybody else thinks. We also have to understand, I, I, I heard this before from people that, that say, well, why do you worry so much about what people think? I think you can worry too much about what people think and let them rule your life. But you always want to consider, how does my life affect another? Because the, the, Bible's, the Bible is clear that we're, we're not to affect one another, cause someone else to stumble. So we want to live in such a way as best we can. Here's the other thing, give yourself some grace on. You're not going to hit it right every time. Let that sink in a little bit. <laughs> You're not going to hit it right every time. So give yourself a little bit of grace too, but endeavor to, desire to. Now, <clears throat> he goes on there, and, and uh, I wanted to get to this verse uh, 17. He says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, peace, jo and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. You know, there's a couple of things that, that really stood out to me as, uh, as I was reading this, uh, this, this verse is <clears throat> oh, one statement. Well, as I was reading this verse, it, it talks about an attitude. And, and notice the three, three things that he lists. Goodness, peace, and joy. Now, as we implement a lot of these different things in our life by honoring God in all that we do, by, 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 by building a godly life, goodness is, is a part of that. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. So is peace, and so is joy. But our attitude is the outward expression of, in, of what's on the inside. That's kind of my definition, my idea of an attitude. Your attitude is an outward expression of what's on the inside. If what's on the inside is goodness and peace and joy, that's going to affect my attitude. It's not going to be hard to get out of bed, roll out of bed every morning and, have, and be joyful. It's not going to be hard to, to be good to somebody. It's not going to be hard to live in peace. 
you're not going to be worried about staying in control of everything and, and always getting your way and all of those other things, the peace, the, the things that cause the, that cause the division cause the, or, or cause the, the conflict in our life. Our attitude is, is coming from the, the kingdom of God the kingdom of God, remember uh, Jesus said that, uh, that uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto us. If we live and walk this away and make this our plan and our purpose and this our desire, we're going to walk this out, live this out, get go to this place. You know, uh, I, I, I wrote this statement down from my notes. It said, <clears throat> time flies, it's up to you to be the pilot. So we, we control and, and direct our life. Uh, it's important for us to, to do that. Now let's look at verse 1 of chapter 15. And I'm skipping through. I'm skipping a lot of good stuff. But chapter 15, verse 1, he says, We who are strong must be uh, considerate of those who are sensitive about these things, or things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For every Christian doesn't live to please himself. or uh, uh, For even Christ didn't live to, to please himself. As the scripture says, the, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Uh, I, I wrote this down. A mark of true greatness is, the develop, is to develop greatness in others. You know, our, our ability to build others up and encourage others is, is an important thing. Continue to work on those things. Continue to hold fast to those things. Ephesians uh, 6, 8, I just, I just wrote it in my notes, but out of the New King James it says, Knowing that whatever good thing any man does, the same will uh, he receive from the Lord. You see, God rewards those good deeds. When we make it our plan, our purpose to build others up, to encourage others, to allow others to succeed. There's no more noble occupation in the world than to assist another human being to help someone to succeed. Man, I tell you, that's good. Now let's close with this. Let's look at chapter 15, verse 17. He says, <clears throat> he says So I have the reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me bringing the Gentiles to God. Now notice this, by my message and by the way I worked among them. I love that. He, he, says, <clears throat> he says, bring the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way that I worked among them. You know, Paul continued to work even in ministry. He, he made tents. He did other things to help provide. But he did it, I believe, as much as anything to stay connected to the people. He impacted their life. He impacted them by him being with them. He said, I, I'm not boasting in what I did. I was just a conduit. He didn't use that word, but I like that. He's just a conduit of the blessing. He's a conduit of the, of the, of the, of the provision that Jesus provided. Verse 19, it says, And they were convinced by, <clears throat> by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to uh, Illyricum, I guess, however you say that. Y'all read that word and you'll know what it is. <laughs> His life demonstrated it. 
He preached it, and he lived it among them as he worked. I think that's the whole thing, is Paul saying, look, all this that I've taught you all the way through this book, and all these things that I've talked about, he said, I led Gentiles to God through the message I preached and the example of the life that I lived that supported it. And as I worked among them, and then when the power of God was needed, the miracles and the signs and the wonders would happen. Then when the, uh, there was no doubt that he was a man of God and that the glory went to God. You know, he goes on and he thanks a few people and he, he talks about more, more things there, but, but we'll wrap it up right there. How, how powerful this is, again, that verse 19, they were convinced by the power of miracles, miraculous signs and wonders. You know, Jesus said that you'll do the work that I do and greater works will you do because I go to the Father in heaven. He went to the Father in heaven and the, the reason he went to the Father in heaven was so that he could seal it as done and open the door for us to have a relationship with God and, and to have the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. He, he, made the, he made the power of God available to us so that we could bring it to others. The Apostle Paul was a, such a great example of living that life. You know, obviously our, we attain to be like Jesus, but I think Paul's a good, a good target as well if we could just walk in whatever we needed, that we, that we have the presence of God and the power of God available in every situation. So my challenge to you is this, is <clears throat> live in such a way that people recognize that you're a Christian. Live in such a way that, that God is able to work through you so that whatever need is brought before you is available. You have the power to, to shed the, the little things that cause us to, to be affected for a day or a week or two. You know, I, I think about all the different ways that God is at work in and through our lives if we just learn to recognize it. So let's pray. Father, we just thank and we praise you that there's, there's much to be discussed about a godly life. But Father, here's some few examples and, 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 and a, 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 a scattering of scriptures that bring us from a, a place of just honoring authority to walking in the fullness of the power of God. Because Paul, Paul began with just our willingness to submit to, to God, to being able to walk in the presence and the power of God to a point that people come to Christ because they see Jesus in our lives. And because we've, we've walked in such a way that every need, can, we can be that conduit to see the power of God available to the people. If it's, a, if, it's a, if it's the miracle of transforming a heart that was so hard it wouldn't let God in, if it's the miracle of, of healing of a physical body or the healing of a mind, if it's the miracle that, that tr transforms a life from somebody who was lost and hopeless to somebody who's empowered by you. Father, there's no greater honor than to see you work in and through us to change and transform those lives. We give you praise and glory for it. Lord, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that's, that's never made Jesus Lord, maybe you're watching, maybe you're here, if you've never made Jesus Lord, truly committed your life to Jesus Christ, 
It's a very simple process to say, God, I, I believe, and God, I receive. There's also that process of laying your life down. It says, okay, God, I can't do it, but I want to, and I give you my life. That's what we're doing both in salvation and in praying that prayer to receive you. And sometimes we got to continue to do that even after we've, we've done it. Not, not really for re-salvation, but for rededication of dedicating our life to say, Lord, okay, God, I'm yours. So, Lord, I just pray and I ask you that as you speak into the hearts and lives of, of, of these individuals, that they also, you also hear their heart as they cry out to you. And Father, I praise you that for anyone who needs, has prayer needs, that they'll come forward and come to me and contact me or, or others that are with them in a way that they can receive the power of God available to set them free, to heal, to restore, and to bring salvation. So, Father, we just praise you. We thank you for this 